Welcome to Unsupervised Learning, a security and tech-focused podcast that looks at the ideas, patterns, and models that help you thrive in a changing world. All right, welcome to Unsupervised Learning. This is Daniel Meisler, and this is episode 372. Starting off with a new essay I just put out called How AI is Eating the Software World. I basically describe a new architecture that I believe will replace much of our existing software, starting basically already, starting now. And it covers GPT, understanding things, the SPA architecture. It gives examples of how existing software will transition from kind of like the old model to the new model. And uh, if you like UL, I think you'll like it a lot. Security news. Uh, LastPass engineer hacked at home. So this LastPass thing keeps getting whatever, not better. Uh, turns out the way this all went down was an employee getting hacked via their own computer. A keylogger was installed on their work computer through a vulnerability in third-party media software, which everyone seems to think was Plex. Seems like that's likely based on how many smart people think that. And uh, from there, they got access to the keys that let them read encrypted S3 buckets, and they pulled uh, data and backups and yeah, this ends up being like one of the most prominent cases of bringing your own device being such a critical part of modern defenses. And I've already seen companies steer their budgets more towards BYOD and basically figuring out, I mean, they already knew, you know, the endpoints were a problem, but this makes it really bad because the endpoint was targeted specifically rather than the cloud infrastructure or corporate servers or whatever. So yeah, this is uh, making BYOD very real. China appears to be fielding AI newscasters to spread pro-China propaganda. It's one of the first instances of state-sponsored propaganda channels using AI in this way. So basically, it's like a lot of the deepfake stuff that you've seen, but it's like a talking head, and they're just sitting there spouting pro-China things. And uh, it's got multiple heads, actually. It's, it's, got a, it's got a woman. It's got multiple different uh, male speakers. And evidently, you could still tell the difference. Uh, because the, the dubbing wasn't quite perfect. You could see their mouth move differently than it would move in the video, but it just keeps getting better and better. I pointed to one that was a, a UK based AI company that was doing this was actually making the Chinese bots, but in this case, it was actually someone else. It was someone different. And the analysis here was from Graphica. Are cyber threats negatively impacting your business? Unleash powerful fraud detection for your online properties with HCAPTCHA Enterprise, the leading security ML platform. HCAPTCHA adapts to detect and block even the most sophisticated attacks, keeping you ahead of evolving threats. Whether your bad actors are human or automated, HCAPTCHA Private Learning is the solution. Easily combine your pre-blinded data with HCAPTCHA's thousands of signals to rapidly find fraud and abuse in real time. HCAPTCHA's privacy-focused design works in every country, giving worry-free compliance. Visit hcaptcha.com slash UL to get started with a complimentary pilot today. That's hcaptcha slash UL. Next one here is the CrowdStrike Global Threat Report Analysis for 2023. So they're tracking quite a few new things. Uh, 33 new adversaries bringing the total to over 200. 
And this is basically the extraction of their overall report. Uh, I read the whole thing over the weekend. This is what I pulled from it. Uh, So most actors that they're tracking are out of Eastern Europe and Russia, but there are new active regions, including Syria. Average breakout time for interactive e-crime dropped from 98 minutes to 84 minutes. Access broker advertisements increased 112% compared to last year. Access brokers, of course, they're just selling. They they basically break in and just have an opening, and then they sell that access to other people. Good name for it, access broker. Cred stuffing and vuln exploits took ground from malware used for initial access. So basically it was so effective. Um, And also the time between vuln and exploit has gone down, which is part of the reason that Exploits have actually taken over from malware. And when we say malware, we're talking about something that gets installed probably via phishing. Um, Multiple Russian attacker groups, including Fancy Bear, Ember Bear, and others have been assisting Russian efforts in Ukraine. And they've been doing things like defacement, wiper malware, DDoS, and other attacks to support the military. China Nexus adversaries, meaning adversaries coming out of China, are the most active targeted intrusion groups, which means for all intrusions that are active as opposed to, uh, or targeted as opposed to just kind of uh, spray and pray, China is the most active. And I I guess that's probably not a surprise to a lot of people. They hit nearly all 39 of global industry sectors for CrowdStrike across 20 geographic regions. And they go after US and European targets around 25% of the time, with the other 75% being mostly China region or Asia region uh, targets. And the last thing there is they believe that most of the attacks on local areas around China are actually part of ongoing military intelligence operations. So that data is being fed directly to the military. My overall analysis on this report is that I thought it had a lot in it, but it wasn't as easy to consume as the DBIR. I feel like they could do a better job of information density using visuals and listing all their products at the end of the report also stole, I think, a bit of the report's legitimacy, but it was still solid. I, I give it like an eight out of a 10. News Corp says they had someone in their network for 23 months and that they stole private information and documents from the company. The FTC went after BetterHelp for sharing user-sensitive data that it promised not to share. And they're paying out $7.8 million to customers as part of the settlement. As we predicted, Chick-fil-A now has said over 71,000 accounts were breached over multiple months using credential stuffing attacks. Attackers used their access to steal data and rewards points. They then sold the data for two to $200, so up to 100 times difference based on how many points they had. So, yeah. The better you are at using your, uh, you know, your rewards points at Chick-fil-A, the more attractive your account is. Sensor-laden and AI-powered robots are becoming more popular choices for security guards in various settings, offices, buildings, malls, that kind of thing. I think they're great as remote sensors, but they're going to be extremely easy to evade and or bypass until they're so smart and fast that they're scary. And we know what scary looks like because it was in that one Black Mirror episode, which looked like, they looked like little dogs, basically, but they were robots and they were evil. Yeah, that, that is a permanent imprint 
in my brain about what an evil robot looks like, especially when you've got like a swarm of them. So hopefully we don't make those. Meaning we definitely will, of course. The NSA has released best practices for working from home. Here's what they said to do. Basically, keep software updated, including Windows and web browser. Update router and change default password. Use a password manager and two-factor authentication. Separate your work and personal activities and use a VPN for work connections. These are all pretty obvious, but I like the fact that the NSA is actually creating these PDFs and giving them out to people. In fact, I just want to say overall for the government, I think the government has done a great job in the last, I don't know, five years of giving cybersecurity advice to the public. Like the, the CISA right now under Jen, just unbelievably strong. And uh, I, I think it's really awesome. Men from 30 to 51 years of age are being targeted in Brazil via dating apps. And to be clear, I don't think it's only older men, but uh, basically 90% of kidnappings right now happening in Sao Paulo are actually happening as a result of uh, dating apps, right? And these older men, 30 to like 51, I don't know why they stopped it at 51, but whatever. Maybe they're not allowed to date at 52. Not sure. But they basically said that these guys are being basically catfished by younger, more attractive women. And then when they show up, they get robbed or kidnapped or whatever. And they're doing this kidnapping called lightning kidnapping, which is basically... You're only kidnapped until you do what they ask you to, which is like transfer money or I don't know, things, or I don't know what they do exactly, but it's something to steal something or get something of value, obviously from you. And then they let you go. So it's like a kidnapping, but without the, uh, I don't know, the basement and the dungeon and the beatings. Technology news. OpenAI launched their ChatGPT and Whisper APIs last week, which is going to massively invigorate the AI Based startups and use cases that we've been seeing for months. Once we get the ability to train our own massive models using all of our documentation, all of our code, all our Slack messages, and all that, that's when things are going to get really crazy. In the meantime, I'd love to just have an app that listens to non-English being spoken around me and tells me what it's saying in my ear, right? I, I would love to code that up using the Whisper API. It shouldn't be too hard, but I actually imagine that it's hard to do on an iPhone because it's probably hard to just passively sit there and listen for a good reason. But if that is possible, I'm probably going to try to code that up. Um, although it does seem like it would be pretty difficult, like from a, from a standpoint of, um, you have to constantly take the, the recordings, snip them. Oh, it would probably be really resource intensive in terms of, uh, not so much the size of the files, but you got to send that file up and get the answer back. Getting the text back wouldn't be hard, actually. And speaking it, it would really just be the upload of the snippet, uh, the voice uh, file. But yeah, um, I want to try it anyway, assuming I could do it on the iPhone. If anyone wants to tinker, let me know. TikTok is introducing new well-being features, including a screen time control for kids that stops them from continuing after 60 minutes unless they enter a code. This is all tr to try to stop the anti-TikTok legislation in the U.S., but I'm not sure this is going to be enough. One thing I do know is that if TikTok really does get pulled, it's going to be like when Ben Kenobi had to sit down in the first Star Wars 
He was like, it's as if millions of voices suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced. That's what it would be like if TikTok suddenly stopped. But I don't know. I, I somehow just think it's going to survive because so many people love it. And not just kids. Tesla cut prices again, ranging from 5 to 10% on various high and low-end models. And Elon outlined at the Tesla's Investor Day that uh, he's going to do a bunch of different stuff. But he didn't release any vehicles, and that crashed the stock. But he basically said, we're going to build a sustainable energy economy costing $10 trillion. We're going to make vehicle assembly cost 50% less. The Cybertruck will start shipping at the end of 2023. He's going to build a fleet of robots to do human labor. And its next Gigafactory will be in Mexico. All right, human news. There's evidently a bridge now between supplements and steroids for people looking to gain muscle and drop fat. They're called peptides. And you can either inject them or get a nasal spray or whatever. And I'm not an expert on them yet, but uh, people are saying, including Andrew Huberman, otherwise I wouldn't even be talking about this or taking it seriously, that they're very similar to the benefits of steroids, but without the downside. So it's not like a, a true steroid, although I'm interested, like chemically, how similar is it to a steroid? Anyway, it's supposed to be a lot less uh, aggressive, and I believe Huberman is also taking them, which I don't think he would be if they were really nasty. But yeah, if you have any experience with them, let me know. The team at uh, the University of Pennsylvania is developing an mRNA flu vaccine designed to provide protection against multiple subtypes of bird flu potentially limiting disease and death caused by the new pandemic strains. Bird flu strains have killed millions of birds recently, which played a major role in recent egg price spikes. I didn't know that. I also don't buy eggs. So, Plus, multiple strains have moved from birds to other types of animals, including seals, sea lions, and dolphins. And the number of humans that have been infected in recent years is fairly low. And human-human transmission, human-to-human transmission is very difficult. But currently, the mortality rate is actually around 56% when it happens. That's very high. They said those numbers would go way, way down, though, um, if it actually got more transmissible, which is usually the case, or I think it's almost always the case. We just saw the biggest drop in the housing market since 2008. The big losers are San Francisco and New York, with Miami actually benefiting because lots of people are going to Florida. A man's work status is a major predictor of divorce. In a recent study at Harvard, men without full-time jobs were 33% more likely to get divorced than men who had full employment. And that's within the following 12 months. Ideas and analysis. Tons of writing this weekend. Just tons of analysis here. Okay. First one, what if AI makes everyone more productive? So I've been talking for around seven years about how AI is coming and it's going to massively disrupt human work. And many people have been saying this for a long time. But there's also a counter argument that it'll create more jobs as well, which I've also uh, believed. My main issue has been the K-shaped recovery idea where benefits and recoveries affect the top and the bottom groups in dramatically different ways. Basically, the top thrives and the bottom suffers. And people tend to get pulled 
towards the top or towards the bottom more recently, and the middle is kind of going away. Well, what if something's possible that's far more spectacular than just that? What if AI can be turned into like a social tool that lifts the, the bottom? What if a company like OpenAI, in conjunction with massive government funding, could create like an augmentation platform that helps people with education, transit, healthcare, even basic decision-making? So what if it could effectively make some percentage of the bottom of the economy more productive? And, and that would apply to everyone, right? It wouldn't just apply to the bottom. It would make me better with decisions. It would make, you know, everyone better with decisions. It's like, do you really want to do that? Uh, studies show that buying that lottery ticket will not, you know, get you long-term benefits and that it's actually worse for you. I would love to have that. And I would love for like the whole human population to have that. And the question is, even with AI coming and taking jobs, what if that kind of bump of the entire human population upwards by some percentage in terms of decision-making creativity, avoiding bad decisions, I don't know, some kind of up-leveling. What if that just raised the amount of total production higher than the amount that's getting lost to AI jobs? Now, I don't see how that's possible. Uh, well, I do see how it's possible I, be, because it could potentially just launch so much creativity out of humanity that's never existed before because only a tiny percentage of people were creatively active for, for most of time, right? And, and most, you know, 95% or something, they were kind of dormant because they're working like menial jobs or something. Um, but what if, what if, first of all, those menial jobs went away and basically the only thing that people can do now in, the, in this future is be creative? And what if that value that they're going to now bring is even way better than what they were doing before? That, that's an optimistic take on what could potentially happen. And I'm excited about it. I, I would love to be wrong about how bad this thing is going to be for humans. And I, no matter what, the bad things are going to happen. The question is, will there also be good things that counteract it some of the way or most of the way or maybe even surpass it? So that's exciting. Next one here is the primary conservative versus liberal disconnect. So for a long time, the main disconnect between liberals and Democrats was considered to be how much they embrace change and tolerate inequity. So those seem like still decent metrics to me, but some new research by Nick Carey suggests that the clear message is the belief that the world is fundamentally hierarchical. And what I like about this definition is that it's more elegantly explaining the previous definition. So basically, if you believe that that's how the world works and it's largely inalterable, you know, people can't change or whatever, and the hierarchies are not going to change, it's just, it just falls into its natural order or whatever you hear from a lot of conservatives, um, you'll be less willing to spend money trying to change it. Another way to frame this is pliability. How much can people change versus how much are they locked in by genetics and early environment? The more you believe people basically are what they are, the more it seems like you lean conservative in this model. And the more you believe people are malleable and can become anything if the conditions were just better, the more you'd lean liberal. Perhaps this is why people become more conservative over time, because they repeatedly see how people don't usually change in major ways. 
This is kind of blowing my mind. So I, I think this might be a super powerful, definitely overly simple, but super powerful way of thinking about what makes someone conservative or liberal. And what's so personally interesting for me is how much I've always been, personally in my own life and with my friends, I've been in the change camp, like massively. So perhaps my slow move towards the center left over the last years hasn't just been from age or from the nasty politics of the last decade, but from all the reading I've done about how people are mostly the way they are and that there's rarely major movements and like personality and capabilities or character, unless it's like from the removal of trauma that was suppressing like innate talent. I'm really impressed with this model because I think it has a lot of explanatory value. And I'm curious what you think. Does it resonate with you? Like, does this make sense to you? Do you think one explains the other? Let me know what you think. Next one here, a disturbing thought on equality. And this one flows naturally from the previous thought. So I'm struck by an observation that Scott Galloway has been making lately. He keeps talking about how the top 5% of men in terms of income and other measures are getting all the attention from women on dating apps. He says everyone keeps freaking out about this like it's new. But it's actually just a return to the norm. For most of history, you basically had poor people and rich people. And the rich people had their pick, or the rich men had their pick of most women. This reminds me of Piketty's analysis on income inequality measured by things like the Gini coefficient. His massive book on the topic um, basically looked at how it runs in cycles. You basically have a return to massive inequality. Then you have a traumatic event like war, famine, pandemic, et cetera, that equalizes things, but only temporarily, and then it goes right back to inequality. In the U.S., the early 1900s were massively unequal, but then the wars happened and we got the GI Bill and a bunch of social programs, and that all created the middle class. But in this model, the middle class isn't natural. It's an artificial construct created by humans. This is really powerful because it ties in with the analysis of change above. If you're liberal, you believe you just need to give people opportunity to level the playing field and everyone will reach similar heights. So like the GI Bill and social programs and stuff like that. If you're conservative, you might think some of that is okay, but you can only help so much before you're just wasting money on people who don't want or aren't capable of benefiting from that help. I believe there's a like Pokemon evolved form that emerges or goes beyond these two models. I believe the conservatives are right that there are vast differences in people's individual capabilities. So we should expect to see similar differences in outcomes. But I'm aggressively liberal because I don't think that conservatives are doing the work to tell the difference between trauma, generational disadvantage, and natural capabilities. In other words, I think too many conservatives look at a feeling person or a feeling group and say, see, this proves they're not capable. That's why they don't deserve nice things. Whereas when I see someone fail, I wonder how much of it is due to capability versus trauma. And I believe it's the job of civilization and the people and the government to tease that out. It's our job to remove the disadvantages of bad luck, historical deck stacking, and institutional biases so that the people can reach their full potentials. And I also believe that those who end up on the bottom after that still deserve a good life. They're not throwaway people. Nobody is. And uh, yeah, I find this whole idea fascinating. Let me know what you think. All right, notes. 
I am building a web of APIs, currently hacking on a massive combination of APIs and command line utilities that allow me to continuously answer questions that I care about or execute commands that I want done. So examples are like pull a web page, extract the content from it, summarize it, find all the people who are mentioned in it, do a research on their social profiles, write short bios for all of them, find all the companies associated with a domain, find their domains and their subdomains. Find all open ports on associated hostname and networks. Find vulnerabilities in the websites. Auto-submit bug bounty reports for those vulnerabilities to the appropriate bug bounty programs. Include a proper POC, showing that it actually works, which raises the likelihood that you get paid. So now it's just like automation, churning, doing really cool things, and hopefully getting paid from it as well. And this is like 3% of my running list of things to go build. Super excited about all of this. Then on the command line, I run clean little two or three letter commands that take from uh, SDN and go out to these APIs, gets the output, and then sends it to the SDN of the next command, which also goes to an API, right? So it's just chaining these things together to produce these amazing results based on the question that you have. And this is what Helios has been for me for I don't know, six years now or something, however many years it's been since I've had this attack surface management platform that I've been using in my own work. But this is different because it's doing it with APIs instead of locally. And now there's AI in it and it's like real AI. Um, for me, it's mostly open AI backed. And ultimately for me, this is more like a continuous question, like command infrastructure, like CQCI. I don't know, making up acronyms here. That's how I think about it. I already have multiple endpoints up and running and providing value. And I'm going to start doing like subscriptions to this thing, I think, fairly soon because these things are really useful. And uh, let me know if you know anyone with interest or if you're building something similar or whatever. Next one here, I'm loving The Last of Us on HBO. Like everyone else, everyone I talk to just absolutely loves it. Reminds me of Game of Thrones. Like the level of hype that we're seeing definitely reminds me of Game of Thrones. But uh, I'm also hearing it's a great game. In fact, a buddy of mine told me it's like the best game ever. And he told me this years ago when it came out. And uh, I don't know. I don't like horror stuff. I just, it annoys me and uh, makes me sad. So I, I don't think I want to mess with that. But at the same time, I do want to uh, play the game, which is similar to reading a book or watching a movie. I don't know. I want to do it, but I've got a really nice surround system. And I think those clickers are going to scare the crap out of me. So I'm not sure I'm going to do that, but let me know if I should. Discovery, way more. Download the live and archive responses for URLs on the Wayback Machine so that you can find even more links. Also includes developer comments, extra parameters, etc. This is by XNL Hacker. Bbot, an OSINT tool from Black Lantern Security that models off of Spiderfoot. Got a list here of multiple companies competing with OpenAI. And CypherCon 2023, the Wisconsin Hacker Conference you've been looking for. 75 speakers covering red team, blue team executives, and 101 tracks. And it's now better than ever. And the conference founder is a UL member. And if you use the code UL to sign in, you get to go for free. And this is in Wisconsin, and it's my buddy Michael putting it on, and you should check it out. Recommendation of the week. 
Know your about. Imagine yourself like a business and you need an about page. Not like a business in the sense of wanting to make money, but in the sense of wanting to have a mission and have your actions be aligned with that mission. What is your mission? What are your goals? What are your KPIs that tell you if you're doing well or not? And what are your projects you're working on to improve? Capture these things for yourself. Use it kind of like a journal, except it's evergreen content that you update as you learn or grow. And just the process of writing these things down will bring tremendous clarity to your life or anxiety if you realize you don't have any idea what to write. But that should just encourage you to do the work and get to the point where you can't actually write it down. Know you're about. In the aphorism of the week, the soul has died in the color of its own thoughts. The soul has died in the color of its own thoughts. Heraclitus. Unsupervised Learning is produced and edited by Daniel Meisler on a Neumann U87AI microphone using Hindenburg. Intro and outro music is by Zombie with a Y. And to get the text and links from this episode, sign up for the newsletter version of the show at danielmeisler.com newsletter. We'll see you next time.